Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. Hello and welcome. We are fired up. The Fiesta Bowl preview show here on, well, the entire Cyclone Fanatic social media network. Uh, we're on the front page of CycloneFanatic.com. Some of you tuning in on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your evening here during the holiday season to join us to talk Iowa State and Oregon. The big Fiesta Bowl coming up on Saturday. Of course, a lot of you probably watching Oklahoma and Florida right now in the Cotton Bowl. Brent Bloom is my co-host today. Bloomer, how you doing tonight? I feel like uh, just a little bit like Iowa State should be up there on the Cotton Bowl right now, but the Fiesta Bowl is a pretty good consolation prize. Not a bad deal at all, and uh, nice of the SEC, as you put it, to run into an actual defense today. Well, a guy who knows a little bit about all of that. He's a, I love this guy. Uh, I've been really happy to get reunited with him over the last couple of months, and Let's bring them on. People aren't here to watch us. They're not. They're here for Coach Mack. They're here for Dan McCarney. And he joins us from the sunshine state of Florida right now. Coach Mack, how are you doing, my friend? I think we could... Uh, I think we're having some audio issues with Coach Max. We're going to give him a call back. Uh, Matt Van Winkle's producing the program. He'll give him a call right now. This darn thing. See, we we were just testing out we Max just had him. five minutes ago, and we're good. So we'll get back to him. But Bloom, no, um, uh, honor to have Coach Mack with us, and we'll get him here soon. It's uh, this darn technology is frustrating for everybody. But here's the show uh, coming up. We are going to have Jay Jordan, uh, kind of our X's and O's guru who is going to be joining us here in about 15, 25 minutes or so to really do the X's and O's and break this game down from from that standpoint. And then uh, I'm going to bring in my friend Todd Kirk from Action Fanatics. People betting on this game, what do you think about that? Uh, We'll get Todd's uh, expertise when it comes to that coming up. But Bloom, we did a podcast a little bit earlier today and um, I think that we both have similar opinions on this football game that Oregon's just – it's a really hard team to read. I, I think that they're probably better than what their record would indicate. But what no does doubt. the record really mean? Because they haven't played that many games. But, you know, it's a team that um, is probably using this year as kind of like a rebuilding type year with or without COVID. And 
I'm a little bit concerned because I think that they'll probably I, – I do believe Iowa State will get Oregon's best shot on Saturday. Yeah, elite talent, elite speed, uh, to borrow a Matt Campbell phrase for Oregon. I mean, these guys, they recruit extremely well. They have for a long time out there on the West Coast. And you just look at the names. I mean, they had – Chris, they had three guys opt out before this year. All will be, you know, first two-day draft picks in the NFL. And yet they're still able to to reload at some spots. And they have their defensive end in Thibodeau is a top five draft pick next year. He's only a true sophomore. So they've got they've got guys, I mean, all over the yeah. field. The one question they have is, you know, the quarterback's been inconsistent, and Chuck is his name. Uh, but he was actually in, in the state of Arizona along with Brock Purdy, and he was much higher recruited than Brock was coming out of Arizona. So th- those two know each other very well. But it's you're right. This is the tricky part with bowl season is it's always tricky for a couple of reasons. It's different conferences. You never know the motivation factor. You throw COVID with the uneven games and the uneven scheduling. The fact that Iowa State's played five more games in Oregon, and it's just really hard to get a good tell of what this game will look like. But just watching Oregon, you know the two things they have is talent and speed, and that's going to be a factor for Iowa State to try and handle on Saturday. All right, I'm told that uh, we got Coach Mack back, so let's bring him on and hopefully he can hear us. Mack, can you hear me? I sure can. How about it? Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, you sound good, buddy. Good, How you doing good. down there in Florida? Right. We, we got we got Happy a foot of snow on the ground here. Guys, great to be with you. It's good to be with you. We got a foot of snow on the ground here. Do you, I'm sure you don't miss those days of limited names. I don't. No, we, we miss the people. We miss the unbelievable loyalty of the Iowa State fans and living in the state of Iowa. It, 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 it's really hard to beat, but not this time of year. I'd rather be walking the beach in Sun 80, and that's what it's been here lately. It's just been gorgeous breathtaking we love it uh, we enjoy it but we sure do miss the people of iowa well it looks like you got a good tan so so good for you brent and i most <laughs> certainly do not have that but, you know brent and i both i know today spent some time and we went back and watched the 2000 insight.com bowl and mac I, I think it's so fitting that um 2000 iowa state goes down there wins its first bowl game under you here we are 2020 you know, another even year on the decade. And it feels like, to me, um, that 2000 game was a major step for your program. And getting to this New Year's Six Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, playing a program like Oregon, feels like another step for Iowa State football. And I think it's fitting that both of those big moments happened uh, down in Arizona. I think you're right. I mean, I really do, Chris. And um just so proud of Matt and his staff and the players and the job they've done this year. I was just, uh, I hadn't been on a plane in months and months and months, but I wasn't going to miss that game down in uh, Arlington last week. So I met uh, my son who lives in, in uh, Austin, um, Eric Anderson, former captain, walk on to captain, Zach Butler, former captain, um, uh, Jimmy McNulty's son. Jimmy was a teammate of mine, never missed a home game at Iowa state for 12 years, passed away recently, but, uh, his son Ted played at Kansas. His son Andrew played at Kansas at, at uh, for me at, at North Texas. We all got together down there, and then I got the best part about going to games. Obviously, the game was exciting and it was fun, and wish we could have grabbed a couple more points. Phenomenal comeback by the Cyclones. But the best part for me, honestly, was to go back and see a whole bunch of former players. And then I walk in. One of the first ones I see here's Ellis Hobbs and his son and his nephew, and Lane Daniels. I mean, just so many phenomenal people: Bobby Montgomery and Todd Miller. And, all these guys, we made history together, and we're all there for the same reason, to cheer on the Cyclones, to cheer on Matt Campbell, came close to winning that Big 12 championship game, but a tremendous game, and, and it's so fitting, as you said, 
um, we worked so hard and so long and wanted it so bad and and uh, and and wanted to uh, you know take reality and, and uh, to turn dreams into reality, which we were able to do in 2000 and win that first bowl game in 100 years. And now here we go, 20 years later, mm-hmm. guys. Here's Matt and his staff and his team and the Cyclone team going down there trying to match that nine-win season of two, year 2000 and, and win a great bowl game and against a team that's a good football team, obviously. But I'm not a gambler. I never have and never will. But if I was a bet man, I'd put a lot of money on the Cyclones on this one. We're a lot more physical than Oregon. I think you'll see that in the game this weekend. I love that, Coach. Just quickly back to 2000. You mentioned that was you know the, the only nine-win win. Uh, win nine, win program in school history uh and then this year it's very similar right you're going into the game trying to go nine and three uh, just like your squad did in 2000 but so many parallels in that game too paul rhodes was the defensive coordinator for Pitt, and just what do you remember about that game i, I you told us back in october in, a, in our in our podcast the story about jermaine billups who wasn't even your backup punt returner he was your third string punt returner and that, what a cool moment uh for cyclone nation and, and to cap that win off yeah, you know, um, uh, John Junker, who was executive director of the Fiesta Bowl and the Inside.com Bowl, chose Iowa State over Texas A&M. Texas A&M obviously had a lot better national reputa- reputation, uh, more of a college football name than Iowa State. But he wanted to give us a chance. I'll never forget him. I'll never um, – I, 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 the rest of my life will be one of the great things that I was ever – a part of to give us that opportunity, give the Iowa State fans a chance to come down and go somewhere hot in December, which our team <laughs> set as a goal and led by Sage and all those seniors, just a tremendous, tremendous football game. First game ever played in the baseball stadium, right. but you wouldn't have known. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, that the people down there that put on that bowl game thanked me and thanked us over and over and over for the class of the football team and the tremendous fan support because Pittsburgh didn't travel very well to that game, and our fans just showed up everywhere. I'll never forget the pep rally. I'll never forget the football game, and never forget that group of seniors that led us to that game that night. Coach, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about this year's Iowa State team because you you kind of led into something earlier that I, I think has uh, been really fascinating. I'm watching Oklahoma uh, beat up on Florida right now, and I I don't know. Like I, you you said the word physical with this Iowa state team and by God, like they, they really are. They, uh, they, um, you know, this is what I've liked about them all year coaches. There, there's no flukes here. They're lining up and beating you. This isn't, you know, Boise state having to run flea flickers and statue of liberties against Oklahoma. They are pound for pound, just lining up and, and beating people up. And, you know, the Big 12 has kind of gotten a bad rap on that over the years. But I, I feel like um, John Haycock specifically is the defensive coordinator and, you know, Matt's overall uh, values and in, in how he plays the game has kind of helped lead the Big 12 out of that. Um, I don't know if it's fair or not, but that kind of this the talking point out there that the Big 12 has been a finesse type of football league for the last decade or so. Do you what, what do you think about that? And what what? What about this Iowa State team made you point out the physicality aspect of this game? Yeah, I, lo- I love it. I love the, the, the program, the culture, um, the, uh, everything that Matt has put into this thing. From the time that he took the job, went 3-9 and nine the first year, slowly but surely built it, um, never uh, gets too high with the victories, never gets too low with the setbacks and the defeats. 
But the bottom line is, if you're going to have a chance to be consistent and build a program that everybody respects your helmet, everybody respects who you are, you better be physical. And as a football coach that spent 45 years in Division One football, here's what I really appreciate. Teams that are tough, teams that are relentless, teams that don't beat themselves, teams that have great chemistry, teams that really the players really respond to the coaches. The coaches really respond to the players. There's a great chemistry. There's a great togetherness. And the team that has real grit and resolve. And how many times have we seen that since Matt Campbell took the job at Iowa State and especially accentuated, I think, this year because there were some games we sure as hell weren't perfect. And we got in some holes and we got down. But there's so much confidence and toughness and belief and grit. And it permeates throughout that football team. Don't beat yourself. Be proud of who you are and what we are. Be tough. Be physical. Whatever happens, no matter what happens with the scoreboard, let's go play the next play. And when you see that out of a football team, it's so much fun if you're just a general fan, much less somebody that, uh, that I spent 12 of the great, greatest years of my life at Iowa State and love that place and appreciate and respect so much what Matt Campbell's done and can't wait to watch our team physically line up against Oregon. Great respect for Oregon. Uh, only coached against them one time. We won, uh, won nine games in South Florida in 2007. We went to the Sun Bowl, and they took our butts behind the woodshed. They were a really good football team. But great respect through the years. And I know their head football coach, Mario Cristobal. He was at uh, uh, Florida International when I was at North Texas. Hell of a football coach. But if I'm a bet man, I'm telling you, I'd put money on Iowa State. I like our team. I like our tenacity. I like our toughness. I like our physicality. I like the way these guys fought and scratched and clawed right to that last damn play of the game that I just saw in person just a few days ago down in Arlington, Texas. And I think we got a really, really good chance to finish the season with a victory. Bowl champions in the Fiesta Bowl and the ninth win for the first time since 2000. Coach, I love it. Uh, talk about the difference in a, a bowl game that I was just going to play in Saturday. I know you played in a lot of, you know, BCS level bowl games. You played in a national championship. You won a national championship while you were at Florida. Obviously, played in a bunch of Rose Bowls or coaching a bunch of Rose Bowls. What's the step up? You know, when you're on the big stage now, granted the fan situation, there's not going to be any fans down in Phoenix, but what is that step up from an emotion standpoint for a team going into a New Year's Six type bowl game? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just another mark of the great job that Matt has done and his staff and the players have done. Um, you know, their the, the, the ceiling's never too high for Iowa State. And uh, for years and years and years, first thing we had to do way back in 1995 was stop the giggling, stop the laughing, quit laughing at Iowa State football. It's been a laugh. It's been a collegiate joke. Stop the laughing. If you want to respect this, you got to stop that stuff first. We were able to do that eventually. It took some time. And then there's been some ups and downs through the years. Uh, Gene uh, uh, um, Chiswick was there not very long, came and went. Then came Paul Rhodes, phenomenal person, loved Iowa State, great passion for Iowa State, lots of real positive things. In the end, he, he was replaced, and, and we brought in Matt Campbell, who uh, obviously was a great hire. Uh, I know Jamie Pollard said one time to me, you know, all of you have passed the baton, and, and that is true. I really believe that is true. Some of us had bigger batons than others when we had to carry a baton to try and get it to the next coach. But th- this team is just, it's so well aligned. And if you, I, I found this out, guys. In all my years in college football, in winless programs, national championships, 21 bowl games, four of the most dramatic turnarounds in the history of my lifetime at Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa State, North Texas, you have to have everyone aligned if you've got a chance to be successful. They have to be aligned. What's that mean? What the hell does that mean? you got to be aligned. 
You got to be on the same page. You got to all believe the same things. You got to trust one another. Anybody that touches the program has got to really believe in the leadership and the message that's being laid out and the plan that's being laid out and, and the goals that we set and the aspirations that we have. And I think you really see that now with the administration at Iowa State, with the football program, a tremendous success through the basketball programs, men's and women's, and all the sports at Iowa State. And you just see it now. Uh, the perspective that I have from all those years being there and now being removed, there's so much national respect for what Matt Campbell has done and is doing and will continue to do. And I hope like hell he'll retire at Iowa State. I hope we can hang on to him for a long time because he's going to have a lot of opportunities. And you know one of the real keys too, guys, is that we keep that staff as much as we can intact. And that goes right back to Jamie Pollard, who I think he's done a really good job of improving and enhancing the salaries that we pay those assistant coaches because mm -hmm. Matt Campbell is one of the top coaches in all of America, period, end of story. But he's only as good as the people he surrounds himself with. We all know that. Those guys are so good and so talented and so united and so professional that it really gives us a great chance, I think, every year uh, in, the, in the college football seasons to come to be a real factor on the national scene with college football. Yeah, Coach, um, I couldn't agree more. I'm a, I'm a huge John Haycock fan. It was John Haycock who, uh, he for the, maybe it's just because I'm getting older and I'm getting a little bit more mature, but he made me love defense. I've all, you know, I grew up in, a, in an era where you just you love to watch the offense and, you know, your, your boy Leach and Bryles come along and we're throwing the ball all over the place. I love watching Iowa State's defense, and I, I think one of the interesting aspects of this football game is Oregon out west, they haven't seen this um, dime stack defense, the 3-3-5 that Iowa State can throw at you. On a you know a couple weeks of preparation, put your old offensive coach hat back on. How, how big of a challenge is that for Oregon? If you've never really seen what Iowa State brings, and schematically it can get very complicated. It can, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm like you. I'm a huge fan of John Haycock and that whole defensive staff. You know, the thing that you really see when you watch Iowa State play defense, these things I appreciate because as a as a defensive line coach for 20 years, as a defensive coordinator, uh, as a guy that just was around some of the great defenses in the history of college football in my career, you appreciate these things. Real good communication on defense, real good alignment pre-snap, real good tackling in space, and then guys that can make a play when they get an opportunity to make that play. And that's what I love watching Iowa State play defense. They're really communicative. They work well together. They all understand their role. And then you know what happens when there's an issue, guys, and there's a problem, you know where to fix it. The players know how to fix it. The coaches know how to fix it because they understand the scheme so well. And as you mentioned, bring up a great point. Now Oregon's got a little bit of time, not a lot of time, to get ready not only for the scheme, but how hard, how tenacious, how physical, how bad our guys want it to get to the football. One of the great – you know, some of the great defenses I was ever around in college football, it's – you know, we, we can over uh, – we can overplay this thing and make it too complex. It still comes down to 11 guys wanting to get into the ball really bad. And hopefully when you get there, you're there in a bad mood. And when you get there in a bad mood, hopefully you can tackle. And hopefully we can get some turnovers along the way. And under John Haycock's leadership and that scheme – and the guys that we have out there right now, they love playing the game. They appreciate and they respect good defense. And as you mentioned, and it started, I'm telling you now, 
one of the most underrated defensive coordinators in all of my years in college football was John Skladani, yep. who was with oh, me yeah. all those years at Iowa State. And with me at North Texas, we went from a joke and laughing to nine wins in 2013. Johnny Skladani, to me, was a lot like John Haycock. One of those guys been around a long time. He got a lot of chips on the old rifle. There's little notches in the gun. Been around, love- heard it all, seen it all, yeah. and been able to make those adjustments and still lead and inspire people. And John Skladani and John Haycock have really mm-hmm. been great. And thank God yeah. the States had both those guys. Mac, um, the one of my favorite games. Unfortunately, the the Cyclones didn't come out on top. But watching Jason Berryman in the first half against TCU in the Houston Bowl, it, it, is that the best like half of an individual player that you've ever seen? I, I've said that for years. Like, if you go back and watch that tape, watching Jason Berryman in the first half of that game was just something I'd never seen before. Yeah, I and mean, he was an unbelievable talent. Um, we tried to do everything we could. And during his career to channel the talent, to challenge his abilities, um, to challenge him on and off the field, to be a better player, to be a better man. Unfortunately, he made some uh, poor decisions along the way. But when he took the field, Mike Nelson, God bless him, is gone now, as is Bobby Elliott, as Mm -hmm. is Ennis Haywood and Justin Eilers, uh, Chris Love, uh, Stevie Hicks, um, some of really some of the great cyclones uh, through the years aren't with us anymore. But I'm going to tell you what, you, you challenge those guys and they would respond yeah. and they were tough and they were physical and they gave everything that they had. And, you know, at the bottom of the whole thing, guys, they cared about each other. They cared about yeah. the cyclones. They put that cyclone helmet on that cyclone jersey on and they wanted people to respect us. And they wanted to try and do things that things that had never been done before. And Berryman did the same thing. And that game, as you mentioned, great point. Down in the Houston Bowl, Reliance Stadium. TCU was kind of the home team down there. In the end, they end up getting a, uh, at a, a few more points than we did. But Berryman went home. It's home. It's Houston. He's back home. <laughs> uh, Brent Curvey, one of the yep. unbelievable football players from Texas. And Mike Nelson, God bless him, you know, coached those guys, had a lot to do with recruiting them, and they played their tails off. We just came up a little bit short that day in that bowl game. Coach, while we're on bowl games, I've always wanted to ask you this, and I feel like the statute of limitations is up now. Was Tony Elk's kick good against Alabama? Damn right it was good. (laughs) Damn right it was good. And I'll tell you this, Margie and my children were in the end zone where that kick took place. And if you can't trust Margie and my kids, who the hell can you trust, guy? It was good. There's no doubt about it. We should have had that one. You know, it just, I, I will always appreciate that team. And then yet, as when E. Hobbs and I were together last week at that game down there, cheering like crazy for the Cyclones. Here's a guy, let me tell you this, this is what's so fun about when you care about a place and you love a place. Yeah. Ellis Hobbs went on to a tremendous NFL career, tremendous NFL, NFL career, many years successful in life he'll continue to be you know why because he had talent because he had character he had integrity he had passion he hasn't lost any of that and the other thing he hasn't lost is the love for iowa state so he walks into that place sat right in front of of all of us that were there and he had his son and his nephew came with this big homemade iowa state he got it made somewhere i'm telling you what's one of the flashiest most beautiful (laughs) iowa state coats i've ever seen ends up taking that off as we get going into the game then he's got an iowa state shirt on underneath that then he ends up taking that thing off. He's all worked up. He's screaming. He's young. 
by the time we're trying to win the game at the end of the game, he's got a tank top on. He's all worked <laughs> up. He's breaking a sweat, yelling and screaming and working those uh, the stands up there, just trying oh. to cheer for the Cyclones. And that's when you know you know something's really special. That's when you know a university and a school means so much to young people. When all these years pass and they're up in the stands as fans and they care and they love so much about a university and a football program. And that was E-Hobbs just a few days yeah. ago. I, I guess we, we have to ask it after that. Uh, Seneca was in, right? Oh, hell yes, Seneca <laughs> was in. And, and uh, no, he was in. And, and uh, a lot of people said that. A lot of people saw it. Unfortunately, we know we didn't have the rerun back then, guys. Yep. Yeah. Would have loved to have the review. Uh, I remember Dave McCurry, a phenomenal former Cyclone. Uh, he and his wife, Susan, they were some of the first ones that jumped in when our fundraising was in the dark ages. I mean, way. Where were the dark ages? It was before that. that. It was beyond that. It was way back. And Dave McCurry and Susan jumped in to really help us, as did so many people. I can't name them all. The Bergstroms and the and the Dick Jacobsons and yep. all these people that jumped in. But Dave McCurry was right there in the end zone. And he was right <laughs> there. And soon as Seneca scored and they said no, he came running right down the sideline to me, <laughs> yelling and screaming at me. He scored, he scored, he scored. It's like, what the hell can I do about it right now? You know? <laughs> but no question. But yeah. those are great memories. You know, guys, Seneca Wallace is down on the Dallas Cowboys right. staff right now. Pretty cool that you got a guy like that that played at the highest level, gave everything he had in his two-year career at Iowa State. And now he's getting a chance to go in and start developing and helping players at the highest level in the National Football League. Pretty cool for Seneca Wallace. Mac, um, man, I, I can't tell you how much it means to be able to have you and come on and talk with us like this. We, I know I speak for Brent. We, we absolutely love you, man. We, we cherish memories with you at Iowa State. And you are, uh, you're an institution, my friend. And if you ever – if you ever want to get anything out to the Cyclone Nation, you always have a voice here with us, my friend. Yeah, thanks, guys. You know, it's it's um, all these years pass, and um, I still I watch Iowa State, and I get freaking goosebumps. I'm not trying to get sentimental. I just tell the way it is. I watch them in men's basketball. I watch them in women's basketball. You guys know Billy Finley's one of my closest friends in life. I, I cheer for Matt Campbell. I text him. I don't call him. I don't bother him. He always responds. He always gets back to me. I'm so damn honored that all these years pass – and people still remember us. And based on the response that we got in the stadium last week, yeah. people really respect and, and appreciate what all of us, all of my coaches and players did years ago to help build a foundation that hopefully Matt can continue to build off of now for years to come. It is really and truly great to be a Cyclone. And let's all cheer the Cyclones on to that ninth victory, victory this weekend, guys. Well, everybody's awesome. uh, taking your advice, and they're all at the sports book right now. Put right, money man. on the Cyclones. Happy New Year. Go Cyclones. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Go Coach. Smell the family high, all right? We love Happy you, man. Happy with you. Take care. All right, buddy. Take care. Oh, the great Dan McCartney. All right. Uh, how do you, how do you follow that? How do you follow uh, that? I'm, I'm going to go yeah. lift some weights. Sheesh. I'm going to go and rip my shirt off and hit a boxing pad or something like that. Oh. Holy mackerel. Good, God, luck to, good luck to Jay Jordan and Todd Kirk for attempting <laughs> to follow but I mean, it, it, it's it. it's amazing, Chris. Uh, that guy could have a lot of reasons to resent Iowa State and be bitter about how it ended. But yet, look at look what he's wearing. He's got Cardinal gold on. He traveled to Arlington when you know he didn't have to do that, and he's just he's just a legend. I mean, like great word. He's an institution for Iowa State, and I truly believe we would not be previewing a Fiesta Bowl without Dan McCartney. 
and this is why it's the perfect way to lead this off because it, it's been a relay race, and he was the first two legs of that relay race. All right, I got to do something really quick. Get over here, sweetheart. So I have a little girl, Brent. Her name is Cammy. Hi, Cammy. She's my best buddy in the whole wide world, and she wanted to be on TV so bad tonight. And what do you want to say to everybody? Go Cyclones! <laughs> All right. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Cammy was so excited when I put the um, YouTube TV up on the on the TV upstairs, and she wanted to come on and tell everybody how much she loves the Cyclones. Real quick, Cameron. Iowa State, your Cyclones are playing the Oregon Ducks. Uh, the Ducks on Saturday. Do you like Ducks as a mascot, or do you like Cy better? Cy. Okay, that's my girl. You tell everybody to go Cyclones and say hi to Uncle Brent, okay? Have a good night, Cammy. Bye. All right. Thanks, buddy. Can I have a kiss? Mm-hmm. All right. Go see yourself on TV, okay? There you go. <laughs> you know what? Those, these kids, man, they they – um, I mean it. When you work the hours that we do during a season, they they sacrifice a lot, and our wives do. And absolutely, um, I uh, appreciate that kid, Ho- man, more than you know. Hopefully, my two little guys are asleep uh, at the in-laws <laughs> right now. So if they're not, then go to bed. Cammy was very excited when she saw me setting up my lighting, and she's like, "Dad, you're on TV." I'm like, "Well, no, no, not necessarily, but we'll let her think that I'm on TV." <laughs> you know. All right. Just cash um, the checks. Coming up here, uh, Matt Van Winkle's producing tonight's program. Matt, bring yourself on the stream real quick. I want to recognize you for hey, helping hey. get Coach Coach Max audio um, figured out. We appreciate. Glad we got that figured out. And we will also be on um, coming up on um, Saturday. Yes. Uh, Todd Blythe, Brett Meyer, and I, and Van Winkle will be yep. on at halftime. Uh, on this halftime of the basketball game yep. leading up to kickoff. We're going to have a few of these right here. Brent Bloom, this is Cody Road whiskey. Cody Road bourbon right here. For two friend. reasons. Ba- Baylor in yeah. basketball and just a little pre-gaming for the football <laughs> game, right? There you go. I'm actually, Opti- uh, optimism, Matt. Optimism. Combining the two. There you go. <laughs> Look at that. What's that, Chris? This is the experimental um, elderberry wine barrels, um, Cody Road right there. So, anyways... All right, we had our fun. Uh, thanks to you, Matt. Appreciate it. Wanted to recognize you for all of your work here. Uh, we got Cammy on. We made that little girl's night. Now she better be getting to bed. And I want to bring in another dear friend of mine. His name is Jay Jordan, a man who was once recruited by Dan McCartney. But I believe Dan McCartney was in Iowa at the time. That's correct. That's how old I am. Thanks, Chris. So, so, <laughs> so Mac recruited you to Iowa, and you still went to Iowa State and played for Jim Walden. I did. I did. He didn't uh, have quite the motivation, motivational sway on me. <laughs> I don't know how you turned that down, Jay, but <laughs> hey, it, it all worked out for you, it appears. It did. I'm, I'm happy with my choice, and I love Coach Matt. You do. Well, Jay, um, you know, Bloom and I were talking earlier today. It's actually, um, for guys like you and – me to an extent because of you because you've got me you and between you and matt campbell over the years you guys have turned me into a film junkie it's difficult to get a great read on Oregon because they they really are i don't even know if i would say mid-season form yet but they're still kind of learning who they are as a football team bloom astutely pointed out the difference in texas and colorado last night 
Texas kind of knew who they were, what they were doing. Bloom, I went back and watched the second half of that football game on the DVR, and I think you nailed it. What do you expect from Oregon? I mean, what what do you from what you've seen on film? And I I know you you've watched a lot of them. What do you see from this football team that um, that just pops for you as an Iowa State guy? Um, I think you're right in that that observation. It's interesting. We saw it with Iowa State this year, right? Uh, the team that that finished the season the last four games was markedly different than the first four games. We see that in any season, honestly, and, and fortunately for Iowa State, they got to have. Uh, a full season um, and, and make those progressions and, and growth. What happens there is you see uh, kids mature. So, so Oregon has some, some youth, like you talked about that they were, they were rebuilding. So particularly let's look at their linebacker position, uh, ultra talented five-star type kids, great athletes. They run fast and hit hard, but they're young. And, and those early games uh, that Oregon played uh, you could tell, they hit the wrong hole. They got trapped inside. Uh, UCLA game jumps out at me uh, in, in how they played and some of the deficiencies they had. But then you saw Oregon in their final two games stuff the run and be very strong against the run, largely because those guys had matured a little bit, seen enough film, seen enough live action to come in there and, and do what they were, they were supposed to do. What do we see in this game? Probably more of that. A yeah. little bit saltier uh, Oregon team that is gaining that identity. I mean, they lost the game to Cal, but uh, the game against USC, um, you, you saw them mature a little bit more defensively. Offensively, you saw them regress a little right. bit um, as as the quarterback. How do you pronounce it, Brent? Shuck. Shuck. Okay. As you saw him um, struggle a little bit with some of the, the more uh, complicated looks that he saw from a, from a Cal team uh, and, and from USC a little bit. Um, but their offense is innovative enough and problematic enough for the Iowa State defense um, that I think you see a pretty strong effort out of them. Uh, I mean, we, we can talk more specifically about uh, how they match up and what we can see uh, schematically. But but I think you see a maturing team in Oregon. You see a mature team in Iowa State. Uh, how that butts up, whether it's the Texas-Colorado difference, uh, it's a little bit flipped, right? Texas is the ultra-talented, mature team. Colorado is the less less talented, uh, maturing team. Here you've got more talented Oregon. Let's put that in quotes. Sure, sure. Fires me up a little bit. But um, you have more talented Oregon who is maturing and the mature, less talented Iowa State team. It would be interesting. I think that, Jay, the interesting part coming out of Eugene this week was they're nonstop talking about Iowa State's physicality. And I think, you know, when we watch Iowa State day in and day out, we may not appreciate it, but Iowa State is unique in a couple of things. The tight end setup, playing three of them at a time, and just the overall physicality on on offense and defense. And and Mario Cristobal was was very um, enthusiastic in his praise about Iowa State that this will be the most physical game they play and what does exactly does Iowa State do in that physicality that can present a, a program like Oregon, who's young, some problems? Um, it, it's a mental. We can jump back to some of the things that, that Coach Mack was talking about. Um, that that that's a mental edge. Physicality is mental. Okay, okay. Uh, we we call it physicality, so so we we think that that's that's a physical thing. Physicality is all about being mental because every task you perform from catching the ball there by Charlie Kohler. Uh, to running into the guy, every task you perform on every play in football hurts. So you have to have a mental edge and you have to either not feel that fight through it 
or give a little bit of extra. At the collegiate level, sometimes it takes a guy a year, two years, three years to get to the point that they're able to bring that physicality. What you see with Iowa State is a team that has matured into the the Matt Campbell mentality. They're finally where he wants them to be or on the cusp of where he wants them to be uh, throughout the the offense and the defense uh, in being physical and being able to physically dominate somebody. It creates mental breakdowns. Mm -hmm. That's what it does. What it does is it creates a guy who is tired of filling the hole and getting popped and so he takes a step outside to try to avoid it. And now you've got a one yard gap for Brees Hall that takes it to the house instead of a half yard gap that he squeezes through for five. That's what it does. Yeah, th that that was to me, uh, Jay. I, I'm I'm with you, by the way, after watching Oregon. I I think I'm I'm probably a little cautious, just the old Iowa Stater in me, but I I think that they're a little bit like Oklahoma, the team we're watching right now in the Cotton Bowl, they're not as good, but I, I we saw Oklahoma struggle early in the year, right? And they're breaking in a new quarterback. They're they're doing all this stuff. Uh, they get better defensively throughout the year. Now I think they're a top ten defense in all of college football. I agree. Um, Oregon to me, and I've I've watched all their games now, some of them a couple times. They seem to me like they really remind me of watching Oklahoma that game in the Pac-12 championship, watching Oklahoma when they went into TCU. And we were all were kind of like, I don't know, Max Duggan, you know, it's Gary Patterson, and, and they go and just knock him out. To me, Oregon is at that point where regardless of what happens really in this Fiesta Bowl, you look at the Pac-12 next year, Oregon's going to be one of the teams that people are picking to win that conference. Same with Oklahoma. Now they didn't make the playoff, but Lincoln Riley's using this cotton bowl tonight uh, because he thinks he's got a top five team in the country going into next year where he can win a national championship. I don't know if Oregon's on that level, but the trajectory of where this pro I love crystal ball. I've fallen in love with the guy. He's kind of entered my top five right there with Campbell and Fitzgerald and all my guys. We, we need a running like a spreadsheet. Yeah, I got a lot so, of know, guys. I know. Yeah. I love crystal ball. I'm a big crystal ball guy, but do, do, what do you think of that analysis, Jay? Cause I, Again, I don't know if they're there yet, but I don't think they've had the opportunity to get there, which is a little bit scary to me as an Iowa State fan. Uh, agree totally. I, I, I think that, that they – I mean, they were the favorite going into this year. They're always going to be considered because of how well they recruit. Uh, and, and I agree with you about, about Coach Cristobal. Is he's on the level of Matt Campbell. He's a program builder. Uh his attitude that he play, puts in place there. They're also very innovative in the way they play offense. Uh, the way they play defense, I think, is innovative and deceptive, uh, even though they gave up a lot of yards and, and, and points in some of their games. Um, I, I feel like this is a uh, – these games that we're uh, walking into here these next few days for each of these teams, it's such a strange season. season. It's easy to make this season – a have a good a season as you can. It's a wash because everything's so weird. Um, I think there's an opportunity. Iowa State's taking it. They didn't take that approach. Um, and I think Oregon's in that spot too. Chris, what you're talking about is, is, is taking advantage of an opportunity and a platform to build a firmer foundation on which to propel yourself forward. And, and Oregon has, has the opportunity to do that. It's such a great teaching tool for that team. Those two losses were hurtful. They were close. 
-hmm. they, were, they were hard fought. They were unexpected. Um, that's such a good learning. We've seen Campbell use losses like that in the previous seasons to build on uh, where he is now and where he hopes to be next year. Um, I think you're going to see Oregon do the same thing. And because of that, you're going to see a feisty contest tomorrow. Or not J but on the second. When you look at this game, where do you see Iowa State's advantages between them and the Ducks? Obviously, the speed for Oregon is going to jump off the page, but Iowa State obviously is the favorite for a reason and has some advantages here too. Yeah, um, the comfort level of Iowa State, uh, I'll play on Mac again, uh, uh, their knowledge of their defensive structure and their discipline within it is an advantage for Iowa State. Um, Brees Hall. I, I, it may be that simple for me. Right. This game is is Oregon, while playing in in their most recent games very solidly against the run, were, were extremely vulnerable uh, to the run. In particular, the UCLA game, I'll point out, um, where they ran the the stretch in the outside zone very well um, against Oregon. Iowa State's better at it than UCLA, and Brees Hall's fl frankly better than anybody they've played. Um, so far this year, the kid from Oregon State was really good, but he's yeah. not good at all. Um, and, and if Iowa State can get a toehold in the run game, Oregon plays. They have the athleticism to play man coverage uh, in D, which has been a problem for Iowa State this year. Um, that may be a wrinkle that they throw out there. But if they sit in their ordinary coverage packages where they're playing uh, pattern match uh, and they're playing off, then, then Iowa State's throw to the wing, hitting uh, Landon Akers and Tariq Moulton uh, off a of play action from Brees uh, out there gives Iowa State an opportunity to be patient, run the ball out there, and then hit big plays both in the run game and the pass down the seams. I think that's Iowa State's offensive uh, advantage. Mm -hmm. Defensively, it's Iowa State's defensive line. I think Will McDonald, I think Jaquan Bailey, I think any, um, I think Isaiah Lee, all those guys that play and rotate through there, are strong and good, and there's a there's a vulnerability on uh, Oregon's uh, offensive line that allows the defensive line to hopefully be a factor with pressure. Jay, Iowa State's offensive line, I, I won't, I'm not going to beat those guys up. They've played really well this year. I've been really impressed, especially with Downing going down early like he did. You lose Ramos against Texas Tech. They've they've fought through adversity. You've seen young guys like Simmons and Rimsburg step up. Sounds like Rimsburg's probably going to be out in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, but that was the one point I thought probably in the big 12 championship where if the program, it was like, Oh, well kind of reverted back a little bit. They, they got beat up front, uh, offensively. Um, how do you, how do you see that matchup? Because Oregon's got one stud on the end on the defensive end and Thibodeau, he, he right bloom Thibodeau's his last name. Yes. Fantastic player. Uh, all American level guy. Top five Sophomore. draft pick next year. Yeah, he'll yeah, he's only going to get better. Yeah, just a stud. Um, I, 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 my scout would be that Oklahoma has a better unit on the defensive line, but they didn't have the top end talent like Thibodeau uh, that Oregon has. How do you rake the matchup of Iowa State's offensive front? And, and I would include the tight ends into that conversation, as you just mentioned, yeah. against that defensive front from Oregon. So the pressure from Oklahoma, which was the most significant point in that game, uh, in my opinion, came straight up the middle. 
Hmm. Uh, Newell was getting beat and Schweiger was getting beat. Uh, I think the guy's name is Isaiah Thomas. I'm not sure. 93 or 95 hmm. yep. uh, was, was dominating that game, especially early on. Uh, pressure from up the middle is harder to deal with as we saw, because it's hard to bring a tight end across when you're playing out of the shotgun uh, to help stymie that pressure. If that pressure is coming off the end with a talented end guy, then you have the three guys you need to help control that end. What I think the caveat to that is, and, and also I'll mention that the other Oregon defensive linemen have a tendency to get stuck on their blocks, uh, which allows you to get uh, leverage in the, in the run game and allows Purdy to do some things uh, in the pass game as well. Uh, but if you have to spend too much attention, Iowa State gains great leverage with the three tight ends when when they don't have to use them as extra blockers, when they become multiple passing threats underneath. Uh, if you have to chip, if you have to help Foster or Ramos or whoever it is out on that tackle with those guys, you have to be uh, protect those edges with the tight ends and keep them in, then, then Iowa State gets in a position that they've got to rely on their wideouts and they've got to rely on – on less deception and, and uh, playing off of each other in their route trees, that'll be a struggle for them. That'll be the key to the game, in my opinion, with regard to Iowa State on, on offense is, is how do they control that edge rusher and some of the pressure packages that that uh, that Oregon will bring. If they control it well, if they play off of it, meaning they chip, they hit, and then they delay route around, um, which I think they have the opportunity to do uh, and hit big plays on Oregon if they if they they take that approach, then then I think Iowa State will handle it okay. But that pressure on the outside, I am always less concerned about that outside pressure because I can motion guys because mm-hmm. I can use the tight end out there than I am about that pressure straight up the middle. If they're able to bring their pressure straight up the middle like Oklahoma did, then it'll be a long day. Jay, uh, simple question for me: Iowa State wins if, and Oregon wins if. Hmm. Oregon wins if. Their quarterback, first of all, I just have to say this. I love some of their offensive scheme. Their their mesh uh, concepts and their RPO game, which takes it to another level uh, with the deepness of their, their run options uh, and almost produces kind of a quadruple option uh, situation, is going to be hard to control. If, if Oregon can hit some big plays in that, if they take advantage of Datron Young and Kyle uh, on the outside, on the back side of some front side uh, play action, um, and they don't turn the ball over. The quarterback doesn't get uh, feisty with the ball and make bad decisions. Oregon, Oregon can win this ball game. Iowa State wins if if the running game uh, is sound. Uh, Iowa State's defense will dial it in. It'll be hard for Oregon to move the ball, regardless of what they're hitting on uh, for a significant portion of the game, because that's what they do. But offensively. The run game has to be paramount and has to be primary uh, to take away, to mitigate uh, some of the decision issues that Purdy has when he starts to press. Jay, uh, I mean it, man. You're the, I think you're the best analyst out there in in the mid. I mean it, man. I'm not, I'm not blowing some. You tried to quit this year and I wouldn't let you. Uh, <laughs> well, it's in my, right. I'll be back strong in the spring. I love you, man. Uh, thank you so thank much you, for your contributions. Uh, great analysis. Uh, we all are are smarter for your contributions. So thank you very much, my Be friend. Be well. Go Cyclones. All right, buddy. Jay Jordan right there. The pride of the Jim Walden era. Hi, just, I mean, you just get smarter talking to that guy. Um, you know, 
Chris, we're smart enough, clearly, through the first 47 minutes of this program. Just get really talented, smart people on. Would you surround yourself with smart people and you look better yourself? I, I don't think that's ever been more true, at least for you. As I pour some more Cody Rhodes. <laughs> um, real quick, before we bring in Todd Kirk, and we're going to look at the gambling aspect of this game, uh, I want to thank our sponsors who have been our postseason sponsors all postseason long. Fairway Meat and Grocery, the Iowa Clinic, and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center, Wild Rose Casinos, and Jefferson, of course, the DraftKings Sportsbook there, and our newest sponsor at Cyclone Fanatic, the Graphite Construction Group. I look forward to telling you guys more and more about them in the coming months. But uh, Jay was fantastic. And now I want to bring – I don't know. Have you ever met Todd Kirk, Bloom? Uh, maybe casually. I know him through your your radio program, through the Fanat- or the Action Fanatics podcast, and he's he's <laughs> uh, he's just picking winners left and right. He's a degenerate, and I love him for Mr. it. Mr. Oh, Mr. Mac. He's got Mr. a Mac. Um, yeah. he's got a uh, personalized Browns jersey. He's a Matt Campbell type of guy. What's up, Todd? What seriously? Like, I'm surprised this wall is intact behind me because after <laughs> Mac was done, I I thought I ran through it. <laughs> Same way here, dude. Same I mean, way here. I, I'm typing in notes. I wanted the coach to see me. You guys got to understand, and, and and I won't dominate the program, I promise. Oh, uh, you're fine. But I graduated from Iowa State in 93. Uh, I was a five-year student. So well done. So I, I, uh, I paid my dues. Coach Matt came. Like, I was a guy. My friend has a, a, a highlight when Walden and the team got off the bus when we beat Oklahoma. We were there. Like, we went there and were hammered and were behind them on TV5. You know, Keith Murphy has got hair and everything. So when Matt came, uh, I was fortunate enough to, like, get to know him and meet him. And uh, I sent a picture out. It's on Twitter now. I actually was staying in Iowa City at the Marriott for work, and I ran into Mac at the bar, and he was being honored so Thursday night, he was being honored Saturday by the Hawks. That's how big – he's not just an Iowa State guy, folks. I mean, he's he's an Iowa guy. His dad was chief of police in Iowa City. He grew up and went to school there, coached there. Like, Mac – Mac forced me, and I don't write. I'm not a writer, but I wrote a letter. Gosh, this had to be – oh, Tim Floyd. I think it was Tim Floyd and Mac. I wrote a letter to the editor, if you guys can remember. That's That's gone. I don't even know if people – yeah. How old Stone are you, man? There. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. 50-year-old. I wrote a letter to the editor, like, Iowa State, keep their coaches. Like, finally, we had a guy who got it. I saw him on the on the trail in the summers. Um, the guy, listen, I mean, the, I went to that game. I was on the field at Bank One Ballpark is what it was called. After that game, and you saw Sage slip and make that pass. Oh, yeah. I just watched it. Yeah. They, they closed the roof so you, nobody knows. It's like Iowa State fans were everywhere. The pregame, Johnny Orr was there. We, I mean, I was, I was gone. My son is, <laughs> you know, he was six months. He's six, six months old at that time. We go to Dan Marley's afterwards. But anyway, during the game, we snuck in and we got the best seats right behind Pittsburgh's bench. So I'm watching Iowa State the whole time. Phenomenal. Antonio Bryant was a great receiver for Pittsburgh. Yep. They're like, oh, Pitts, you know, Iowa State can't beat Pittsburgh. There's no way. 
We own that game. That return, you guys talked about it. Who was it that returned that punt? Jermaine so, Billups. Unbelievable. Like the place went, look at there's, there's the slip. There's the so, slip. Oh, the slip. So you guys, after the after the game was over, I'm like, we're going on the effing field. Like we are going on the field. So I entered the field right basically behind home plate. And these guys are like, oh, no, go, don't go. I go, dude, I'm from Iowa. Like I started sweet talking him. Then we got to talk, we're like, oh, my gosh, I've seen Mac uh, McGuire hit a home run through these things. And you're standing there at home plate going, oh, my God, he hit a home run. Wait a minute. I got to go celebrate. I gave <laughs> Mac, and it wasn't Berryman. Who was the guy who got drafted by the uh, uh, Denver Broncos? Reggie Hayward. There you go. I The turf was terrible when that game ended. Like the fourth <laughs> quarter, it was getting all ripped up because they closed the uh, they closed the roof on them. I was oh, so I gave Berryman and Coach a piece of the turf after the <laughs> end of the game. I was so hammered. It was great. He changed, you guys. He changed everything, and you can see why. Like when he was on the recruiting or the just the summer trail, playing golf tournaments, doing whatever. I mean, he was phenomenal in front of the. You know, he got the boosters to where they needed to be, and I think Brent, you said something that I think is indicative of the man that he is he he has a right to be upset with mm-hmm. jamie pollard for how he was let go he does in my opinion he does because he ch- listen i've been to iowa state games my whole life he beat iowa like that was the whole thing iowa fans i i went to rose bowls i've seen it he beat iowa five years in a row he changed the game and he got fired and that was a tough thing but he's a better man. He's a bigger man, and that should show all of us how you how you need to uh, live yeah. life. And kudos to to Jamie for leaving the door open too. I mean, he could have you know shut yeah. it after the fact too and said, "Hey, we don't we don't really want you around," considering how it ended. But both those guys are 100%. yeah, just, uh, you know, great just great men. And uh, I would say just to thank for where it is now. Yeah, I, I um, told Chris the other day. He's there. Those two guys. Even though one fired the other, and like I, I love, I love, they're on the Mount Rushmore for me. No doubt, totally agree. No doubt, totally agree. Um, Todd, let, let's look at this um, Fiesta Bowl from a whole other side of things, and it's a side that you and I are both passionate about, and we think is really growing. I don't know about you, I, I feel like this bowl season has been crazy as far as the amount of uh, engagement on the betting scene. I, I think it's just a preview of things to come we've seen vegas breaking records in the month of november oh. um and we have a great relationship with the DraftKings sportsbook at the wild rose casino up in jefferson they they sponsor our action fanatics podcast you can listen to it every week on the cyclone fanatic podcast network you can follow action fanatics on twitter Hot, todd handles that bad boy and we're always giving analysis and whatnot but what's um maddie van winkle uh running the show let's let's pull up the point spread and the 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 number for this wild, uh, for this Fiesta Bowl coming up on Saturday, Iowa State currently a four-point favorite at the DraftKings Sportsbook. The the number at fifty-eight. Uh, you know, Todd, what's interesting about this game? Usually, these um, New Year's Six type games are pretty heavily bet. You know, for instance, there's been a lot of movement. This Oklahoma Florida game, it's moved like nine points. That's oh. because Florida's lost all these guys, but. Uh, compare it to the Fiesta Bowl here. The line hasn't moved. You know, it got up. Iowa State at five for a while. It's back down to four. Um, what, what's your analysis on 
on this number and and it's just really stayed steady. Well, it it's so you know, in, in kind of order of, of how I thought about this game, Chris, I want to kind of start with what I see are trends, and not only maybe on the season, but but basically as these teams in bowl games. So the first thing I look at, I look at Iowa State. They're 7-1 and one as a favorite. Oregon's 1-0 and oh as a dog this year. One of the glaring differences between these two teams is Iowa State is plus 45 versus the line. So – you know, regardless of where they stand as a favorite or a dog, uh, plus 45 points is pretty big, whereas Oregon's minus 21 versus the line. So when they lose, they lose, right? When they win, it's not been that that impressive. Um, the under for both of these teams is really the last six games. If you take Iowa State's last four, Oregon's last two have gone under. You and I have talked a little bit about this, and I think I'm going to freak you out when I get to this, but – um, let's look at the bowl. So that's this is not good. We have muted Mr. Mack. Mr. Mack, unmute yourself. He got muted. There I go. got it. I got it. Sorry. All right, there you go. You're back now. Um, so I'm gonna look at the bowls here real quick. Okay. Oregon seven and three as a dog in, in football game, in college football bowl games. They've won six of those outright which is a scary number because they're coming in here as four-point four dogs to Iowa State. Um, Iowa State in bowl games is 0-2 as a, favor- as a favorite. So you've got a trend. These are just trends. As you guys know, I throw those out there. Um, you know, they are what they are. But Iowa State's 1-0 and in the state of Arizona in bowl games, <laughs> as Mac talked about, right? So that's a nice trend you can get there. Uh, what I like is on the over-under part, part of this is this year alone, I know, I know what you're going to say, but listen to this. After, after the two losses we've had in the season so far, over. So we're two and zero to the over so far going into those seasons. So, or, or, or looking at just this season, which I think recency bias is there. And I wanted you guys to ask Coach this: What matters here? Like this is to be as a quintessential game. You've got a team that's played eleven games, and you got a team that's played five. What makes the difference? Like it, you know, I'd love to hear from you guys. Would you rather have the five games, small sample size, probably relative health, or would you rather have the full season, tried and true, many more plays, maybe not full health, although both these teams are actually pretty darn healthy? What would you guys rather have coming in this game? I'll let you go first, Bloom. And then I think that's the mystery here is – I don't know enough about Oregon to really say. Um, I think I, I I think I would take the full season, the full eleven games because then I know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and I've seen a lot more. And I think this is the question with Oregon: they have not seen what Iowa State is going to give them on the defensive end. And you've got a quarterback that's been super inconsistent and has really struggled the last two games. And Chuck, he's not been very good the last two games. You throw that really strange Iowa State defense that gives even veteran quarterbacks problems. Look what Iowa State did to Rattler in the second half of that Big 12 championship. And this guy's not Spencer Rattler. And Three so points. I, yeah, Three I mean, you, exactly. And so I think this is why, you know, I look at this game, and I would want a more a fuller menu if I'm Oregon to see something similar. And I, have, I don't know enough about the Pac-12 defenses to give you, like, an honest answer if somebody plays something similar. But I can guarantee you the first time you play Iowa State as a quarterback, it is – 
extremely difficult. Look what Iowa State did to Memphis in 2017 in that bowl game. And that offense came in second ranked in the country. So, you know, Notre Dame is a little bit different animal because Notre Dame was just more physical and just really outmanned Iowa State. But I think you give Iowa State the opportunity to prepare for these guys. And that's why I'd rather have the, the 11 games and, and have the, the extra reps, especially on the defensive end. I, I would be the same, Todd. Yep. Only in, mainly in the sense that uh, I don't know if you heard Jay and I talking last segment, but I, Oregon reminds me of a little bit of like an Oklahoma light. I don't think that they're on Oklahoma's level right now, but I do think that that's a team that took a couple losses early. Uh, they're they're more talented than their record would tell you, and they're building for next year. You know what happens? You know just winning the Pac-12, they are building for next year. This is kind of a redshirt type year for them. Um, for a team like that, like I, if, if I'm using that Oklahoma level, I'd rather play Oklahoma in middle of October than I would in late November, middle of December, like Iowa State just did a couple weeks ago in Arlington. So, yeah, I that's where I'm at too. And, I, and I'll say this too, Todd, as a – Guy who follows Iowa State closely when when you look to handicap this thing. I mean, Iowa State's pretty healthy. I mean, they've been without Trevor Downing for since the first half of the first game. Um, they've they've been chipped away with injuries here and there. But I mean, you know, Tariq Milton's kind of been in and out of the lineup. But really, they, it's a pretty healthy football team. So I I think in this particular scenario, I think Iowa State holds the advantage, Todd. Yeah, and I'm looking, you know, I appreciate that because I I kind of believe the same thing. I, I believe you've got a team that really hasn't been able to find itself. However, you know, you t- Brett, Brett talked about the defense. Well, here's Oregon State's. This is what they've scored, 35, 43, 38. Those were all in wins, 38 in a loss, 21 in a loss, 31 in a win. So they, <laughs> there's no defense being played in the Pac-12 at all this year. And we've heard it enough from their coaches, whatever. So Iowa State's got this this scheme that they haven't seen. So I want to get into the stats next. Let's look where Iowa State lies versus Oregon in the stats. And really, these teams are actually pretty equal. If you look at points, yards, red zone, uh, pretty much straight across the board, pretty equal. Here's where the difference comes in. It comes on defense. Whereas Oregon's defense gives up 27 points a game, Iowa State 22. That's a big difference. Oregon, 409 yards a game. Iowa State, 344. And red zone scoring, Iowa State 72% of the time and Oregon 79%, so almost 80%, whereas Iowa State is is about 85% when they're in the red zone to give you an idea. So what we have here is one team really does have an advantage, and that's on the defense. And I've talked about Iowa State's – it's pretty much a bend don't break um their defense is ranked on football outsiders outsiders ranked 13th in the nation their offense actually in efficiency is ranked 12th which is surprising uh for some iowa state's a lot more of a balanced team run versus pass whereas oregon wants to run the ball vardell is a question mark whether he's going to play in this game and jay referenced a game which i thought was pretty interesting because i looked at it, it was ucla and uh, Oregon rushed for maybe 60 yards. They had one guy die, I think, was their backup runner. Vardell didn't play. 
UCLA ran th one guy 34 times for 167 yards, two touchdowns. To me, that's where it lies. Jay really nailed it. Like, not that we can't pass the ball, but we can run on this defense. And when you're looking at how he breaks it down, blocking an edge rusher versus a middle rusher, either way, they either run away from that guy, let him inside, take Brees outside, RPO, you could bring Purdy outside. And Purdy beat this kid in high school. I mean, it was like 65-62 type game. I mean, the, the inconsistency. It was basically Mahomes and Mayfield, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like the kids, he's in his head already. So in terms of stats, I thought that was interesting to say, really the biggest difference is Iowa State's defense, guys. And we've known that. And I know Chris, you're a big defense guy. So, um, defensive line, man, that's my that's my position group. Listen, as I look at this now on the money, so let's look at the money. How do we take all of what I've kind of given you, wrap it around into dollars and cents? So, right now, Iowa State's getting seventy-one percent of the bets. They're getting eighty-five percent of the cash. However, wow. the line stayed relatively the same, which means there's probably some sharp money coming in. I've got it at fifty-seven and a half. Sharp money coming in um, in favor of Oregon. Just a little bit, not a ton, but enough to keep that line literally legit frozen. Um, and there's a reason. I mean, Oregon is good as a dog in a bowl game. They just are. However, they're not 1-0 in Arizona. 2-0. So, You're forgetting about yeah, the Paul Rhodes 2009. Bowl against That's Minnesota. Right. There we go. We beat – there you go. There we go. So, Iowa State – Gosh, Mac was three and one. Was that right? Was he three and one in bowl games? Did I have that? Uh, Matt, no, that was Paul Rhodes. Paul right. Rhodes was oh nine. Yeah, so Mac was two and three. Good. All right. Yep. Yeah, there you go. I bowl because he won the Independence Bowl against Miami of Ohio. That's right. Man, well, man, we, uh, Meyer to Blythe podcast. Meyer to Blythe. Technically, we beat Alabama, by the way. Right. Well, that's yeah, there, that's, there that's, a, that's a good. I mean, you heard Coach say it, dude. Yelk's field goal was so good; it was good on TV. All right, Todd. Todd, real quick before we gotta wrap this thing up, do you um, do you see this line moving at all? Like, if somebody was waiting for some action on this, I mean, I know you and me, anywhere four to five and a half, we don't really care. Um, but do you do you think that from what you're seeing, do you anticipate movement here? With all this money, days? yeah, with all this money coming in Iowa State, I would just wait. You don't have to play it now. It's not going to yeah. go up to six. Or anything like that. If anything, it may come our way. Um, the play is I like, as you guys know, it's not a love. I like Iowa State, and I like the over. Wow! Come on. I see. Come that on, it, under, under. I, we'll go, we'll go opposite here. I'm an under I guy. See this is an over game. I, After the two losses, we've scored a boatload. Uh, of it's a dumb trend. It's like Baylor. I, I will add. I will add this. Interestingly enough, for those concerned with the over/under, come on, uh, Brad. Oregon averages sixty-two plays per game. Iowa State's at sixty-six plays per game. The average plays per game for a college football team is seventy-three. Both are slower tempo. Yeah, both very so slow this year. Don't fall into the. I, I mean, I think they can here, but but again, anytime you're dealing with that number in the below sixty, okay. if you get Whoa. if you get into overtime at all. You know, in a close game, then you then you're you're done. So I'm just saying though, like I would I would lean Todd not to be against you here. I would lean towards C Dub's side. No, I'm with you. I was on it the whole time. I was on it the whole time, and then I saw this, 
and I saw what what Oregon State's been scoring. I I added it all. A plus B equals C, so C's got to equal D and all D over things. <laughs> I just did. I like the over. I'm going over 57 and a half. I respect it. Todd, I love you, man. Thanks for your analysis. Uh, Action Fanatics on Twitter. We're just getting started, buddy. Look at that. We're splashing the logo. Yeah, the graphics are phenomenal, and uh, you guys do do a great job. Thank you to to DraftKings Sportsbook up at Wild Rose and Jefferson. By the way, starting Friday – I know it's weird, but you don't have to go there to sign up to get your app. It's all changing, just so you guys know that. Uh, They're going to have a a couple of different apps, but there's nothing better than the DraftKings app, by the way. No, it's the best. And they give you those cool promo codes and stuff like that you can knock out. I love that. We got 50 bucks coming our way just on that Clemson game alone. Boom. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate you, my man. Love you guys. See ya. Love you too, buddy. Mr. Mac, get out of here. All right, Bloom. Um, any any party words? This has been a fun show. We got. We need to lead every podcast off with McCarney just to get us, you know, in the groove. Get yeah, us I mean, get us ready to go. People are probably still amped up over that. So at least they're hanging on for us two slappies. But Man. no, I mean, what what an opportunity though. I mean, you know, it's a great way to start with Mac. But I'll end it with this. You I know, mean, Iowa State is in a in a position it has never been in before. Uh, we wish people were there with us down there in in Phoenix on Saturday, but yet. Uh, what a way to start 2021, right? Like, let's get this 2020 over with. Uh, I'm so thankful and grateful for Iowa State football to get us to 2021, but let's start this thing off with a bang. And, and I'll say it this, I'm not going, which is difficult. Um, there's, there's part of me that literally wants to cry talking about not being there to experience Iowa State's first, you know, New Year's Six type bowl game, but um, also a fan site guy, right? And Without fans, it doesn't feel right for me. I Bloom, I've had a really hard time with this this year. I do not like being in empty football stadiums. It My anxiety spikes. Like I get all these feelings that I do not appreciate. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's weird to – and I, I, I'll tell you this, my friend. When you're flying back on Saturday night, if Iowa State wins, we're going to be having one hell of a party here in the state of Iowa, and uh, I'm going to be sitting in your – driveway when you pull up with a Perfect. bottle of Cody Road. Uh, I, I welcome it, and I anticipate drinking that because I feel good about it. I do, too. Uh, thank you, Bloom. Appreciate Thanks, you, as always, my man. Bloom will be uh, heading out. What do you guys, you guys head out tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, on, yep. On New Year's Eve. Bloom will be heading out with the Cyclone Radio Network. Um, just want to tell you guys real quick about everything we have planned. Um, go to the, If you don't subscribe already to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, you should. We've had a lot of great content this week. Jared Stansbury and Rob Gray have been littering our front page. I don't – I'm biased because it's my baby, but I don't think anybody's covered the Fiesta Bowl like we have, and I don't think it's even close. Uh, videos, analysis. Jeff Woody had a great piece today on the uh, – just the X's and O's of it. Uh, go and check it all out. Uh, Jared Stansbury today interviewed an Oregon Duck beat writer – that is going to be on the podcast network coming up tomorrow. Big day on Saturday, okay? Here's what's going on Saturday. Men's basketball tips off against number two Baylor at noon. At 1 o'clock, Todd Blythe, Brett Meyer, two of the greatest Cyclones of all time, are going to join me right here on the stream. Matt Van Winkle is going to be with us as well. And we're going to watch the second half of the basketball game. 
and we're just going to take you right up to about kick time uh, for the Fiesta Bowl. Brett and I will be back uh, for halftime analysis, and then we're going to do all of our normal postgame coverage. Jared Stansbury will be live in uh, Glendale, or is it Phoenix? Uh, Glendale's the actual technical okay. location. Yeah. The Phoenix be... Metroplex. Okay, Stansbury will be live down there. We've got a full weekend for you guys, and um, man, just thank you so much. We the we're gonna break records of our own for tonight's stream, and I, I feel like you all love this type of content, and we're gonna keep building on it for the future. Uh, Matt Van Winkle, we wouldn't have been able to do any of this without him. Uh, praise praise God that he moved back to the area. Cheers, uh, Matt. Literally the greatest intern of all time. Uh, Matt Van Winkle, and he's now he's a big grown man. He's got like he's got a kid now. It's crazy. He's our neighbor. We all live in Bondurant together. But uh, I love you all. Ah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Bloom, get to Arizona safely and back, and give everybody our best. All right, all right, my friend, go Cyclones. All right, go Cyclones, everybody. And as my daughter Cameron came on and said, Cy is better than the duck, and that's really all you need to know. With that, we'll sign off. Thanks for watching tonight. <laughs>